0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You guys already know how obsessed I am with therapy. I talk about it all the time on this podcast about how I have two therapists and how I go to therapy every single week. Well, I've been going to therapy for years, but once 2020 hit, the year of chaos for all of us, I really needed extra support. And BetterHelp has really been there to guide me through these chaotic times. Uh, I've been dealing with anxiety, depression, and I also have been in this recovery space for disordered eating and just a host of other issues. So BetterHelp will assess your needs and, uh, and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours, so all you have to do is you take a a quick online quiz, you answer some questions about what you're going through, what kind of therapist you're looking for, and you can literally write in the answers. I am looking for this kind of therapist. I am looking for an expert in this field. That's what I did, and they matched me with a therapist who has tons of experience with eating disorders, trauma, and depression depression and to be honest I love my therapist so much she's probably my favorite therapist I've ever had and I've been through like a variety of therapists over the years me and her really hit it off and even if you don't hit it off with your therapist right away because let's be real finding a therapist can honestly feel like you're dating Don't worry, you can always change therapists as many times as you need. No questions asked, no charge or anything like that. So you can always change your therapist and then get matched with a new one that day. So BetterHelp uh, is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is literally professional counseling done securely online. And what I love about BetterHelp is that they have a journal feature. So if you're going through something challenging through the week and you don't have an appointment until, let's say, next week, you can write a journal entry. It's all online. It's secure. And if you'd like, you can share that journal entry with your therapist so that they are on the same page. They're caught up. They know exactly what you're going through. They know whatever triggers you've been dealing with over the week. And what's awesome about BetterHelp too is that your therapist will respond. So you can actually communicate with your therapist in between your your sessions. So it's not like you only get get to talk to your therapist once a week. You can check in with them frequently in between your sessions. You can catch them up to date. You can kind of communicate with them every day if you wanted to. And the online journal feature is really nice for folks who are new to journaling or just need that extra support. So communicating with your therapist more frequently could really benefit you if you're going through a rough time. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available if you are struggling right now. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit betterhelp.com vibe. That's better h e l p slash vibe and you can join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You deserve the support. You deserve the healing and you are not alone. There are so many people who are struggling with severe anxiety, depression, trauma, all of these things and you don't need to suffer in silence anymore. So visit betterhelp.com slash vibe for a discount on your first month of online therapy. That's betterhelp h e l p dot slash vibe. And that discount code will get you ten percent off of your first month of online counseling at betterhelp.com slash vibe. Welcome to the Vibe Within podcast. I'm your host Gab Cohen. Each week, we will connect through stories and conversations about wellness, yoga, addictions, spirituality, mental health, rituals, and everything in between. The goal is to transform our traumas into strengths to create the change we desire in our lives. My mission is to help others by shining awareness on real-life topics so we can learn new ways to heal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Whatever you are going through in this moment, you are not alone, so let's connect and heal our vibe within hey guys welcome back to the vibe within podcast I'm your host Gab Cohen and today I am resharing an episode from last year with Eric Godsey if you're not familiar with who Eric Godsey is, he is a philosopher. He studies psychology, and he also is one of the main brains for On It, which is Aubrey Marcus's uh, brand. If you're not familiar with Eric Godsey, you can listen to his podcast. You can also listen to him on several other podcasts that I'm fan that I'm a fan of. He's on the Aubrey Marcus podcast quite a bit. He's also on Michael Phillips' podcast, Third Eye Drops, quite a bit. And I will obviously link um, Eric's podcast in the show notes as well. So the reason why I am resharing this episode is because it is super juicy, full of wisdom and knowledge that can be applied to literally whatever it is you're going through. The hero's journey um, has a lot to do with just inner conflict, outer conflict, finding ways and resources from within to find the answers that we need in order to evolve, in order to heal, in order to become a better person. Um, A lot of what the hero's journey is about as well is returning with the elixir, you know, returning with the help and the knowledge and the information that you can absorb during these really challenging phases of life that we tend to call rock bottoms or you know, relapses or traumatic episodes of life. Um, But What I love about Eric's perspective on rock bottoms is that they serve a purpose and he gets really um, detailed in this episode and breaks down, you know, what the hero's journey is. He talks a lot about Jungian psychology and what Jung uh, is known for and a lot of his teachings and writings. We do talk about depression and tackling depression in different ways. We talk about family and friends and the dynamics that we have with them, especially as we are going through different phases of life. Um, you know, learning about ourselves, learning about our boundaries, learning about who we are as a person can really reflect how our relationships go, not just romantic, but with family, with friends, with ourselves. Um so as I'm recording this intro, this intro is f- super fresh, you know, but I am just telling you guys that this episode that we're getting into is a reshare from last year and I just feel like it's really good timing because as we move into the fall seasons and the winter months, um a lot of inner reflection happens organically. Uh, especially if you live in an area of the world that does get cold. I know it's definitely not cold here in Miami. It's still hot as hell, but um, you can still feel the energy shift no matter where you live, even if it's hot out. You can definitely feel nostalgic memories start to come through. You can start to think about where you were this time last year, you know, last October. Where were we? We were... We were still kind of in the middle of a pandemic, you know. We were still trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. Maybe we were dealing with some severe health issues or family issues or, um, you know, any kind of rock bottomy type of vibes you might have felt. And as we're in this season now, October of 2021, you might be. In a state of remembering or reminiscing Um, you might have some flashbacks or memories of this time last year I know for me uh, the fall and the winter always has a kind of bittersweet nostalgic kind of laced in with some trauma that for some reason feels nostalgic even though nostalgia is um described and the definition of nostalgia is like the good old days right but we don't realize that sometimes our nostalgic memories are connected to trauma and we gravitate towards those memories because it's all we know and you know evolving and growing and learning from our mistakes learning from our relapses or our rock bottoms or you know, if you're just going through a really chaotic time in life, you know, maybe you're moving, maybe you're going through a breakup, maybe you're going through issues with your significant other or your partner, maybe you're super fucking lonely, maybe you're dealing with severe depression and isolation still, and um, maybe you're having a hard time going to work, maybe you're having a hard time functioning like an adult. Um, These are all hero's journey type situations where we know something is wrong right we know that we need something to change we need we need to answer the call within us that is prompting us to make a change pivot you know move directions change our habits which is really challenging um so this episode i hope will bring you some. some positive kind of affirmation, some information about psychology. Eric really has a a profound way of explaining things in a very articulate and easy to digest way. I remember like the first time that I listened to a podcast with Eric on there, it was years ago, I want to say like a few years ago, Um, and I really just clicked with the way that he was describing things and I've been you know a self-studied psychology student for years Um, but he's actually gone to school for psychology and philosophy and he's just a well a well of knowledge and the way that he explains things it can be applied to everyday scenarios it's not just about, um, you know, stories and myths. It's about applying these stories and these teachings that are so potent and kind of extracting what they have to offer and bringing them into real life, into what we're going through right now, you know, with this pandemic, with mental health, with social media. I mean, just money and financial situations, We're all going through some kind of trauma, whether it's small, big transitions can be traumatic, Um, moving can be traumatic, relationships can be very triggering and traumatic. I mean, you're basically dealing with your own shadow when you're in relationships and when you're dealing with friendships. So this episode is full of... Of potent real-life wisdom and I hope that it helps you and Eric Godsey he delivers I mean this entire episode he just throws down so many knowledgeable concepts and theories and everything that he's learning right now in psychology and the hero's journey he really dives deep into what exactly the hero's journey is in very great detail so if you are one of those people who is trying to learn about that and learn about how to transform our traumas into our medicine this episode is definitely for you and you could probably even get like really benefit from grabbing a notebook and taking notes because he really describes with so many details and different angles. uh, Everything that he's learning and everything that he talks about on his podcast, which is a really good podcast. It's called The Myths That Make Us. The way that he ties in all of his teachings and spiritual teachings and education that that he pours himself into, it's really beautiful because he's all about finding tactical ways to heal depression and to Move through these breakdowns that we can actually look at as breakthroughs and transform our unfortunate events into our medicine and how to connect with people and how to really up level ourselves into a new version of ourselves. So, everything that he talks about today is just really, really expansive. And he's one of those people who you can just listen to, you can listen to him talk for hours. And you absorb so much of his energy. So let's get right into it. This episode with Eric Godsey on The Vibe Within. I hope you enjoy, and we'll talk soon. Beautiful. Fuck (laughs) it. And (laughs) yeah, so I was asking you about um, how often you do float tanks. And you you said every couple weeks, if you're having an emotional kind of time.
1: Yeah, basically um, it, it almost only happens if work starts to get overwhelming and I just have to take a step back out of everything. Um, I've probably done it maybe 10 times, and the most recent time I combined it with ketamine for the first time, and that was super powerful, and that might be a new modality that I use.
0: And was that through like one of those nose sprays or was it intravenous? Yeah. Okay, Yeah, cool. it
1: was the sprays.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been looking into that, too, because there's a lot of ketamine clinics popping up pretty much everywhere that do like the intravenous stuff. But the protocol is actually really intense, like like you have to kind of sign this whole like protocol plan. And most of them want to do like 16 sessions and they require you to go with someone to sit in with you for like five hours. Yeah, pretty intense
1: it's amazing medicine if done with the right set and setting.
0: Yeah. Um, So I found you through, you know, social media and the whole interwebs of podcasting and on it (laughs) and whatnot. And I've heard you speak on a lot of podcasts and I feel like I was gravitated towards what you speak about and your work so much because you are always learning about something and you're self-studying and you're, it, it just seems like you're always um, submerged in something. So I wanted to ask you what you're kind of learning about right now or what's in the forefront of your mind at this moment in time.
1: Yeah. Um, so there's a productivity system called Getting Things Done that was created by a man named David Allen. And he's regarded as probably the productivity guru and CEOs at major companies will pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for him to come into their office for a weekend and basically teach them how to process information. And I've been studying and dancing with his ideas for the last couple of months. And to keep it uh, as brief as I can, I think that he is Trojan horsing a spiritual system about how to manage consciousness in the most effective way and then using the language of productivity to teach it to CEOs. But I really believe it is something that applies to everybody. And the more that I get it right and I'm able to understand it well enough to teach it, I want to make a course over it. And I think that it's probably um so there's a psychology book called maps of meaning written by jordan peterson Mm. and he's a clinical psychologist i'm sure most of your listeners probably know who he is um and there's this textbook that he worked on for probably about 20 years where he says he rewrote every sentence of that book at least 100 times and for me it's the most profound psychology book i've ever read and i've read a couple hundred of you know the top main ones have been written in the last 10 or 20 years and kind of his core idea is that the structure of the human psyche on some level can be broken down into three parts and we all have a set of stories conscious and unconscious about what our world is right now and then we all have a set of stories conscious and unconscious about the ideal future that we want to move towards and then the third part is we have a set of hypothesized behaviors that will take to change our stories of where we are now to the stories of where we want to go. And this getting things done system feels like the most pragmatic model I have found for that third part of the equation, which is how do you most effectively act in a way that transforms where you are into where you want to be? And so that's the... Big thing that I've been dancing with professionally and then you know there's always stuff going on in the realms of love in my heart and kind of the big thing that I'm working on now is how do you love someone without becoming lost and only being fixated on who they could be to the point where you don't see Mm -hmm. who they are now and that's kind of the other thing that I'm dancing with and that's I I just learned that through the school of life. There's no book right now that I'm reading that's helping me with that.
0: Right, that's interesting. I mean, I totally resonate with that because I'm uh very, I'm very anchored in my singleness right now, and I'm I'm liking it a lot and healing a lot. But a lot of the deprogramming and stuff that I've been doing falls in that what what you just said with wanting to change people and wanting wanting to wanting people to meet you where you're at completely when they're at a different place mentally spiritually and that is like a really like big pill to swallow sometimes and um yeah and it's it's really challenging to figure out, well, why, why do I want that person to be like Mm -hmm. that? You know, it's, it's usually connected to something in childhood, in my opinion. And, you know, you talk a lot about that too, is like the stories that we tell ourselves as children and, and how, how easily gullible we are when we're, when we're children. And how, like, I think I've heard you talk about it on um, JP's podcast about how, like, like obviously, kids are so, so compassionate, and the 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 shit that happens to us as kids, we just kind of say, "Oh yeah, like I, that was meant to happen to me because I'm this or I'm smaller, I deserved it." And then it's really hard to to see that occur in our adult relationships because we're mm-hmm. still that kid. Absolutely, you know?
1: we will always have that little yeah. child inside of us.
0: Yeah. Um, You've, you've spoken a lot about like, one of your ego goals, I guess, um, and you say that you you're trying to find the most um, psychologically sensible way to treat yeah. depression, um, and that really I love the way that that you speak that, um, because there's so many modalities to treat depression, and it's also such a taboo thing to talk about, especially women who have depression, I feel like it's kind of more, um, agreeable or acceptable in for males or masculine energy to have depression. But when a female does, it's like, there's got to be something Mm -hmm. wrong with her, you know, um, deeper than just men. But I, I like, I, I would love to hear more about what you've been feeling is the best approach in your, in your journey or your approach to treating depression, I know that you you meet a lot of people coming in and out of on it, and you know men, women of all different yeah. varieties. So I'd love to hear what you are thinking is yeah, the best so way.
1: Yeah, so where I'm at currently with that is there seems to be two fundamentally different types of depression, and there's acutely biological based depression, and then there's psychological depression. And the biological depression, there seems to be a pretty clear cut set of things that one can do to alleviate that. And if your biological depression is acute enough, um, it is sensible to get on medication to for a short amount of time. So you can have the energy to even get up out of bed. Like sometimes the biological right. depression can be so acute that it's hard to even walk to the bathroom. And if you're at that level, uh, SSRIs can and often do give people enough energy to begin to take action to improve their biological condition. And so kind of the checklist for our biology is getting your sleep right, getting your diet right, you know, finding out what it is that you specifically react to, from a dietary standpoint and getting that right, finding a way to move your body to exercise, finding a way to have community connections and, you know, be in sunlight. Cold exposure is a really great practice, breath work. There's all, all sorts of modalities that one can do to get their biological meat suit operating well enough where they can <clears throat> engage in the world. But what the research seems to show is that mm-hmm. most depression is not that type of depression. It's a very, like, between 20 to 10% of the reported cases of depression that we have is that type of depression. <laughs> most of depression is, psycho- is psychological depression. And <clears throat> essentially what psychological depression comes down to is if we go back to that story model that I talked about that comes from Maps of Meaning, It's arising from the fact that the stories about where you are right now either don't align with each other or they don't provide enough meaning and the stories about where you're trying to go don't inspire you or they don't align Mm -hmm. with each other or the behaviors that you're taking on a day-to-day basis aren't giving you the neurological feedback that you're making progress towards where you want to go. And it seems to be that psychological depression is your psyche telling you that one or more of these parts aren't working. And what I have found to be the most effective antidote to that is to tell yourself the right story. And the model that I have found so far that works for that is the hero's journey. That seems to be the archetypical meaning-making story that has been used by all cultures through recorded history. And it comes down to retelling the story of your life in a way that feels heroic and aspiring, and then um, finding the ways of behaving that give your nervous system the feedback that you're making progress. And so, for example, there's a lot of people in our culture who have a story where it's essentially, there is no God, there is no meaning in this life. Um, Money is corrupt. And the best that I can do is, you know, chase momentary pleasure, maybe make some money so I can have a car and a home. And, you know, their soul just kind of slowly withers away. Um, And
2: Mm -hmm.
1: we, each of us individually, have the... Um, opportunity of a lifetime of creating our own story about who we are and what we want to be. And kind of the guiding myth that I have that really resonates with me that I got from Carl Jung is this idea that the soul in each of us is like an acorn. And the acorn will do everything it can possibly do to become the oak tree and each of our like souls has this potential of the person that we know we could be if we stop doing everything that we know does not align with that and we started doing all the things that we know do align with that and the hero's journey seems to be the map that helps people start to do that dance just a quick cursory overview of you know the 12 stages of the hero's journey is there's the ordinary world and the ordinary world is almost always where we feel the depression and the depression on one level is a call to adventure and that's stage two there are things that even the depressed person knows they want to do that if they were brave or if they were risk-taking or if they listen to the whispers that come, you know, like when they play music or when they dance or when they see that person that inspires them, that if they took an action that they haven't normally taken, that something special might happen. Uh, Stage three of the hero's journey is refusal of the call. And that's where a lot of people stay for a long time is they hear the whispers in childhood. Like there's no way to get through your childhood and not hear the whispers of the call to adventure to the life that you want. But a lot of people refuse the call. And that's one of the fundamental stages of the hero's journey. Hmm. Step four is meeting the mentors. And that happens a lot now with podcasts. Like the people that you admire on one level is your soul showing you These people are behaving in a way that if we started to behave, we would be closer to the life that we want. And then stage five is crossing the threshold. And that's where you make the leap. That's where you leave your hometown or you leave the job or the relationship or whatever that you know is not for you. And then once you cross the threshold, that's where you enter the quote unquote unordinary world and that's where magical shit starts happening. And just to go through these real fast, stage six is trials. Like, you start to go through real lessons and tests, and then stage seven is approach to the inmost cave. And that's where you begin to confront your shadow, you begin to confront the conditioning that, came to you in the ordinary world you start to look at your wounds and all that stuff stage eight is the ordeal Mm
2: -hmm. which
1: is always and again this cycle is something that if you say yes to you'll go through this hero cycle over and over at higher elevations in your life for the rest of your life because the work is never done but the ordeal is whatever is the biggest block the biggest quote-unquote dragon in your life at this moment Maybe it's a relationship with your mom. Maybe it's a relationship with your boss. Maybe it's starting that business that you know you want to. Maybe it's starting that podcast that you know that you want to and really confronting like the root fears that have kept you from doing that. And then stage nine is seizing the sword, which is always when you confront whatever the biggest dragon in your life is, you recognize that you actually have the resources inside of you to face it. And each time you face a new ordeal, you get a new sword. You, you get a new tool that you know you can use for the rest of your life. And then stage 10 is returning home. And then stage 11, which is one of the most interesting ones, it's called resurrection. And basically what it means is, um, like if you have a very powerful mushroom experience and you realize that at the core of who you are is that you are the witness of your life. You are not Gabrielle, you are not Eric. You are the thing that watches Eric or Gabrielle. Mm -hmm. You'll forget and it Mm -hmm. always happens. And people who have tasted deep truth can, can be very hard on themselves when they find themselves back pissed off at some mundane thing that they thought that they finally solved forever but stage 11, you know, is resurrection Mm
2: -hmm. and it's
1: remembering to remember. And you don't realize that you forgot until you remember the next time. And the goal is just to remember more quickly than last time with less self judgment. And then the last stage of the hero's journey is you share your medicine, like whatever it is that you go through. Anytime you solve an ordeal and you seize a sword, you have a piece of information that if you taught or shared, you could help other people. And studying psychology, like Mm -hmm. the thing that gives us the most meaning is when we feel like we're contributing to something larger than ourselves and that comes from serving the medicine. And so that's kind of the structure that seems to be, if you teach it to people and they really get it, that acorn energy in Mm -hmm. them gets really stirred and they can start to you know go down their journey.
0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. I seriously love BetterHelp so much. They're one of my favorite sponsors and I will tell you why I love them so much. When I started this podcast, I was going through a really rough time. I'm talking drug relapse, drug addiction, drug abuse, relationship issues, anxiety, depression. I was going through one of the craziest moves of my life. So therapy really helped me get through a lot of that. And online therapy is, in my opinion, even better than going to a therapist's office because, let's face it, our lives have changed the last year or so and i just feel like online therapy is the best way to go BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist and you can start communicating with them in less than 48 hours they really do match you with with a therapist so quickly it takes in my case less than 24 hours it's not a crisis line it's not self-help it's professional counseling done securely online. And there's a broad range of expertise available, which might not really be locally available in all areas by the the patient. If you wanna connect with your therapist and communicate something with them, they have a journal feature, which I absolutely love. This journal feature has the option of sharing your journal entries with your therapist, but if you wanna keep them totally uh, private and anonymous towards yourself, you don't have to share them with your therapist. But I really like this feature because for many of us, at betterhelp.com slash vibe. That's Better betterhelp.com slash vibe. Betterhelp.com slash vibe. Go start online therapy. DM me on Instagram. Let me know how it's going. And I hope that you get the help, the support, and the healing that you deserve. Yes. Yes. Thank you for going through all those. that's really I just love how you did that. Um, I, a few a few things that really caught my ear is that what you just said basically is the the hero's journey is the medicine like basically from the universe. So like the in my opinion, the challenges and the the darkness that we face, is literally the universe saying, Hey, this is this is what you need to do and this is what you need to work on because this is connected exactly. to your passion or truth. As much as I think yeah. that the word passion is kind of overused, that's pretty much why people are depressed, right? When we go back to like what we were just saying with the depression is that they're off kilter, off balance, or off the railroad and they're not sure where they are and maybe maybe they're in the wrong relationship or the wrong job like those are specifics but like if you are constantly not tuning into yourself it could feel like you're just living kind of with like just darkness like like a constant judging demon around you all the time and what you said about when you when you find people who are speaking your language kind of and you're like oh like i that person like really feels in in alignment or what everyone's doing on podcasts. That's pretty much what everyone's doing is finding people who they want to talk to and they want to connect to. And they, they feel like they're understood by people who they don't even know, but it's because they're speaking truths that they deeply do know within them that they're not hearing anywhere else in their physical reality, you know? And, um, I don't know if you're familiar with Lacey Phillips, but she's like a she's like a New Age kind of manifesting um, person, and she has like a a different different protocol than just like your be positive and affirmations and stuff like <laughs> that. And it's she's yeah. just very like truthful and honest and brutally honest sometimes, and it's really cool. And she used, she uses the term expanders, so she says like when you're in a rut or in like a rock bottom or something, which everybody's been through multiple of those, um, that if you're trying to up level and get out of it and get a new job or get a better relationship or move or whatever the fuck it is that you want to do, you need to have like expanders around you who already have the thing or who already walk and talk the talk and, and um who already have a level of success that you know you're capable of so it's all about self-worth pretty much and like when you're depressed you don't have self-worth because you don't even know what you want or who you are so the hero's journey I love that you intertwine that with everything that you talk about and everything that you do because it's literally the universe just saying hey here's here's all these tests and all these um all these things that you go through in your life that you think happen to you it's actually happening for you and you're supposed to help other people who are going through the same thing it's it's super it sounds super cliche and simple but like that's but that's what it is
1: yeah and the interesting thing about a cliche is that a cliche is a truth that you haven't yet experienced if it feels like a cliche And the only way to transform a cliche into wisdom is you have to go experience it. And there's this, there's a model in psychology called self-efficacy theory. And it's basically a fancy way of saying, if you believe that you are an agent in the universe that is able to make change in the universe, you have meaning. And if you believe that you are something in the universe that only has things done to it and you can't affect change, that's one of the biggest predictors of depression, or at least of psychological depression. And so embedded in the hero's journey, which is the oldest story that our ancestors have been telling over and over again in every corner of the world over every campfire, embedded in the hero's journey is this idea of self-efficacy you are a hero you have the ability to go out into the world and to face these challenges and to alchemize them into medicine and then to share that medicine and it seems to be the recipe that the soul craves to have meaning and there's a quote by nietzsche and it's when you have a why you can bear almost any how Mm. and so if your why is to serve medicine that you alchemize through your experiences. You can bear almost any experience. Like one of the greatest books is, um, man's search for meaning by Viktor Frankl. And it's the short book that you can read in a weekend. Mm. And it's coming from a psychotherapist who was imprisoned in Auschwitz. And he has one of the most famous quotes in Western civilization. And it's, The last of man, or the last human freedom is man's ability to choose his attitude in any given situation. And he wrote that sentence while in Auschwitz. Wow. And if he can claim that in Auschwitz while he's watching his brothers die, we all can claim that too. Yeah. And there's this beautiful idea that. If you dare ask the universe that you want to be great, and I think any soul wants to be great, and it's the ego that hides from that, every trial and challenge that comes your way is the universe saying, yes, okay, I will make you great. And what that means is you have to walk through these dragons.
0: Yeah. Right, like if you want to be great, you have to pass these tests and, and you know, walk through the muddy the muddiness of what a rock bottom feels like without you know dying with your despair and thinking that you're the only person that's going through it you know and
1: absolutely and that's and one of the ideas about a rock bottom and this is one of the things that um, Jordan Peterson talks about in maps of meaning is when you have your map of where you are where you're going and the hypotheses that you're going to take behaviorally to get there Your map is always incomplete because you are a finite creature embedded in an infinite reality. And rock bottom, quote unquote, is when your story breaks. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: even though that's very painful, it's the best possible thing that can happen in the sense that you just got feedback from the universe that your story was incomplete. Literally. (laughs) And now that means that you can remake it more adaptive.
0: This episode is brought to you by Thought Cloud CBD, which is one of the purest CBD companies I'm affiliated with. They are Reiki-infused, vegan, sustainable, and pure, lab-tested, world-renowned CBD, and they have a variety of products from tinctures to topicals and even face masks and facial cleansers that are infused with CBD in them. I've actually been using Thought Cloud CBD products for almost two years now, and I love their tinctures so much. Um, it was one of the first companies that I really got deep into the tincture form of healing, and their tinctures are really nice and light. They have coconut oil in them, they don't have all these crazy flavors with additives and, you know, different types of chemicals that you don't want to be in your cbd you just want exactly what you are getting and the reason why you take cbd is to heal so you don't want any of those junky fillers in there and cbd is not meant to have that stuff in it so thought cloud is all about healing and i recommend using their tinctures for anxiety depression inflammation gut health autoimmune flare-ups And I also use their CBD facial cleanser bar soap, the CBD mud mask that you guys always see me posting about in my stories. So if you'd like to check out Thought Cloud. You can follow them on Instagram. Just type in ThoughtCloud. Or you can purchase anything off their website, thoughtcloud.net. And you can use discount code GYPSYLOVEFLOW for a discount. And if they're ever having a sale, you can also use my discount code GYPSYLOVEFLOW. And that will give you extra money off, even if it's like a 70% crazy sale that they have. Sometimes they have sales during the season. So go ahead, check them out, thoughtcloud.net. Use code Flow for a discount at checkout.
1: And so every, there's a quote that will feel like a cliche to those who haven't experienced it, but breakdowns are breakthroughs.
0: 100%.
1: When your story breaks, you have the opportunity to remake it in a better, stronger way. And then whatever broke your story, that becomes medicine that you can share with people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like when things aren't going in maybe the proper direction or the universe is like, "Nah, you need to like I feel like, you know how our body communicates with us? Like if we're if we're not taking care of our body, it'll like tap us on the shoulder and then it'll start like, you know, telling us in different ways and then it's just start screaming at us. Yep. Um that's what the universe does in my opinion. It's like, "Okay, we're going to keep giving you signs and keep giving you hints like for me for just to give an example i was like living in miami for a while teaching yoga full time and i kept thinking i think that i should move i don't know if i should if miami is good for me right now and this and that and then i hit a rock bottom because the universe completely fucked my world over and upside down by having me get um, scammed by a realtor. She stole our money and I had to put all my stuff in storage and I was homeless and then I moved. So it was like the universe can be brutal at times. And, you know, when that happened, I was like, oh, shit. Like, you know, the universe is not fucking around with me right now. Like, this is a huge sign. Like, and as much as I was like... I can't believe this is happening, and it was it was gnarly. Now I understand why it all did, because I can see the process. I can see the, all the stepping stones that that was leading me through, and and now I, I talk about that shit on my podcast and, and how we can get through our rock bottoms, and I feel like that's part of my mission and passion on, on here, at least, which kind of dovetails me into this. I kind of wanted to ask you, like, why – About your upbringing and like um why psychology and depression in particular is so important to you and and what what your upbringing was like and what your family dynamic was like as a kid
1: yeah that's a great question um very early on in my life probably around like five or six um so my mom has had uh, cyclical severe depression throughout my childhood and I learned very young or the story that I told myself was if I say the right thing or if I do the right thing I can make mom happy and if mom's unhappy it's because I didn't know how to say the right thing or I didn't know how to do the right thing and my mom's love for me was so unconditional But that her depression would seize her and she would be in her room in her bed for days and, you know, and I wouldn't see her. And um, I learned very early how to there's really interesting research that if you have a parent as a child who is emotionally volatile and that can be either they get upset easily or they get sad easily or whatever it is. Um, Those children tend to be highly empathetic when they get older because a part of their survival as children was to be able to read the nonverbal cues of the caretaker to be able to discern what emotional state that they were in. And so my interest in psychology very likely started there. And my mom tells me the story that I would come home from elementary school and I would uh, sit her down at the table with me when I got home and I would basically tell her how the children acted and then I would ask her why they acted that way and it was just this constant
2: oh man yeah
1: and so it's been with me since I was a child and um yeah so I have my parents got divorced when I was 10 and I don't think I really ever connected to how hard that was my dad's relationship with me is interesting. Um, he was never overbearing. He just kind of wasn't there. Like all my memories of him from childhood is he's basically sleeping. He he was a police officer and he worked at night. So he was mm-hmm. always sleeping during the day. Right. And I just remember him kind of like not being there. And then once my parents divorced and he moved out, it just kind of, it felt more of the same. Um, and so I went and I started to find my mental or my male mentors through books. And like I got really into uh, Houdini was the first person I started to read about alongside Greek myths. Like I make the joke all the time about how fucking weird of a kid I must have been because I was reading Greek mythology when I was <laughs> in like third grade. Um, you were
0: just tapped in. <laughs>
1: It's a funny story. So the reason I started reading Greek mythology is these two outcast kids uh, started an Egyptian mythology club in third grade, and they wouldn't let anyone else join. And I had this really acute – I was a huge kid. like I was really big. And um, I also had a pretty strong moral compass, and so I wouldn't bully people. But the moment I saw someone being a bully, I would go bully the bully and
2: uh-huh.
1: <laughs> um you know because i had the aggression but i wanted to find a way to get it out that felt uh right and so when they started that i was like that's fucked up and so i was like i'm going to start a greek club and i started like a greek myth a greek mythology club and nobody joined so i was just <laughs> reading books alone in the library and shit and i just like it it absorbed me and i love it but so houdini was the first one And then I got into Da Vinci and then I slowly found my way into like philosophers, but this is getting into high school, you know, because I started reading and then puberty started and then I stopped reading and it was all about playing basketball and trying to sleep with girls. And then Mm -hmm. I tore my rotator cuff, right? (laughs) And then I tore my rotator cuff when I was a junior in high school. And I, that was my first rock bottom because I was really convinced I was just good enough at basketball and just dumb enough about understanding the world to really believe that I could have been like an NBA player. And truly my like highest ceiling in basketball, if everything had gone right in that area, is I'd probably be like a bench player in a European (laughs) league making like $28,000 a year chasing this dream of trying to be in the NBA probably have a child with a woman in the U.S. that I don't ever see. and So it's (laughs) like I have thought that path through and it's good that it didn't unfold the way that it did. Right.
0: You could see that trajectory and you're like, nope. Okay, cool. Yeah.
1: And so then it was after that that I got really into psychology and philosophy with the same type of ego that I had in basketball. And it was like, I'm going to be the greatest ever. And so that's when I started to read a lot there. But the root of why I'm concerned with depression is because of my relationship with my mom growing up. And um, I can't help but project that wanting to help my mom onto wanting to help the culture because I can see how sick it is. And for a long time, it was about trying to heal depression. But now where I'm at is it's what is the most adaptive story? that I can share with western culture because I think that that not only solves depression but it helps people it helps people who aren't sick even live better lives and so instead of trying to fix what's wrong I'm trying to focus on what's the most healing thing for everybody and I think that on one level that's the hero's journey
0: yeah and a huge part of the hero's journey is connection and 100% what does a depressed person, um, a depressed person doesn't want to hear, Oh, go out and meet people, go out and talk to people, go out and date. Like you just want to hide and just finding little ways, little minuscule ways to connect with people. And just using that as little tiny stepping stones has helped me a lot in my depression journey and, you know, spiritual solitude and, and all that. Like, especially when I moved to Philly, um, I'm not there now. But when I was living there for uh, seven months, it was really hard to meet people. And I was just like, damn, this is just really intense. Like, I know that I need connection. I know that I need community. I know that I need tribe, but it's not happening. And it was just a, a very kind of magical yet dark time because that was the universe saying, hey, if there's nobody coming through, there's nobody coming through. You need to focus on yourself. And and really do some deep shadow work. So that's, that's what I did. But um, I think that, so basically, I want to, I want to kind of know where you're at now, like with your with your mother, would you say that, that the work that you're doing is to heal your mother wound? Because we all have one. Mm-hmm. And um, what, what's your take on it now?
1: Yeah, so um, a couple of years ago, well, Probably about seven or eight years ago, I started a blog. um, And I started writing on the blog. I was very active on that for a while. And then probably three years ago, I started my podcast. And basically, the thing that I found is when I started college, which was about um, 10 years ago now, uh, when I first started to learn a lot of this stuff about psychology, I tried to make my mom heal didn't work it Mm -hmm. got to the point where she didn't like talking to me on the phone because she always felt like I was trying to like critique her or change her but then once I started the blog and once I started the podcast and I started having these conversations and I just started sharing the knowledge that I had found in books and whatnot about you know like how to make your body healthier how to change habits how to start doing small things every day that make your body feel better and blah 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 uh without me knowing it she was reading every blog post and she was listening to every podcast and um about 2 years after i or no about a year after i had started the podcast she um sent me a text and she said that she had quit smoking and then wow. and she, you know she has smoked my entire life and then um we had a phone call probably 4 months after that and she said I've actually stopped taking all the medication that I've been taking, you know, since you were a kid and it's because of your podcast and because of the things that you've written.
2: Oh my God. Yeah.
1: It was one of the best phone calls I've ever gotten in my entire life. And, um, there is still a tremendous amount of, uh, pain that she has in her life. But, um, it's to the point now where she doesn't have to take medication to keep it at bay. And I know that, um, by me continuing to live my life the way that I'm living it, that when she's ready, you know, to take the next hero's journey, she will. And I went and I did ayahuasca for the first time four months ago and it was the,
0: yeah, I, I can't. I go ahead. I I heard about your journey and it was amazing. I want to hear more. Yes.
1: Truly the most transformative experience of my life. And uh, I have a very deep feeling that within the next year or two, I will be doing ayahuasca with my mother. And I feel that
0: that's so dope. That
1: will be the next, you know, huge thing because there's a lot in her life that she has. Yet to truly um, let go of and forgive herself for and to have compassion for the people who transgressed on her in those ways. And I know that that grandmother ayahuasca will call her to that when she's ready. So that's kind of where I'm at with her.
0: That's that's really beautiful that um, it's kind of like when you step off and you give people the space to to accept um, that they're not in a good place on their own without somebody telling them what to do. Um, so you were pretty much her expander without you even needing to like try yeah. like because you stopped trying and then you were her expander. and I'm doing um, my my fair share of mother healing um, mother wound healing as well because I am um, temporarily living with my mom and my stepdad. And I never in a million years would have thought that I would be living uh, here and um, because when I lived with them in middle school and high school, it was very toxic, very traumatic, very unhealthy. and um, but we're all in different mental spaces now, and um, especially me. Um, and it was it's been a very big test for me to to be okay that I'm here and, and have to lean on my family for help, but it can be very triggering at times because, um, when you're in the whole self-development atmosphere and realm and you see the same cycles and patterns happening within other people, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe they don't see that. Oh my God, I can't believe they're, they're still fucking doing the same thing over and over again. And it's like, whoa, like I got to kind of step back sometimes and be like, this is my journey. And my mom's journey is way different. And there's going to be things that I don't agree with, with the relationship with her and my stepfather that will never, um, maybe never heal. And that's okay because I'm, I'm entitled to my opinion and I can't sit, sit there and tell her how to live her life or what to say or what to do. Um, because, but that comes from, an inner child wound as well. Cause I saw my mom go through a lot growing up, you know, after my parents divorced and it was just very traumatic and weird and, and whatnot. So yeah, like I feel like, but that's like, I feel is one of the most intense heroes journeys that any of us can go through is the healing of the mother wound. And, um, just like the Ram Dass quote that everybody quotes, but it's so fucking true. <laughs> you know, spend a week with your family and you'll be enlightened. I've been here for a month and I'm like, wow, I must've fucking passed the test because I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm still getting triggered every day and I'm still just trying to make sense of it all. So that's beautiful. And that would be so cool if your mom did ayahuasca with you, that would be such an experience. Yeah, I
1: have a strong feeling that it's going to happen.
0: Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about kind of to pivot. I saw a post that you posted um kind of recently about how before you worked at Onnit and how you were craving tribe and and your journey and trying to work there. And I wanted to ask you, did you did you really not have a tribe or good friends before you kind of found your Onnit family and what was that process like? Because a lot of the people who listen into this podcast, um, I talk a lot about spiritual solitude, isolation, um, and doing the inner work and how challenging it can be to find tribes. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, what was interesting is I had a tribe and I loved the people that I was around. But the truth was, um, I was the smartest person in the room. And there's a quote by, I believe it's, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And it's, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Totally. And I really wanted to, um, I wanted to go somewhere where I could be an apprentice. I wanted to go somewhere where I could bow before what other people had done and were doing and that I could learn. And of course you can learn from anyone, but I had this deep calling, like, um, I know what I'm capable of. And the town that I was in was a small town. There wasn't a lot and the very little was challenging me and I wanted to go fucking be challenged.
0: And What town um, was this? Like what where are you originally from?
1: So I was living in a town in Texas that was about an hour and 15 minutes north of Austin okay. and it was like a town of like 80,000 people but it's a very it's a mixture between Uh, people in the military and then uh, like poor people Mm -hmm. and like country people. And there just wasn't a lot of culture and there was none of this like self, like there was no float centers. There was no one talking about psychedelics being used as medicine. Um, I was the one trying to talk about those things in that environment. And like the people around me were amazing, but um, I was, I was the mentor. And I felt like I was still a boy. And it was like, I need to go somewhere and learn. And on it was the only place that I felt called to go. Like, I ha- I was doing well enough as like a personal coach and as a podcaster where I was able to at least pay my rent and eat Chipotle like four times a week. <laughs> but, goals. Um, goals. <laughs> but I just knew that I wanted more. And oh, man, since... Coming to it and being here for the last two years, I have learned so fucking much. And um, I have found so much tribe. Uh, I'm now at the point where I simply can't keep up with all the people that I love, who love me, who want to connect with me. And that's its own challenge that I'm trying to learn how to navigate. But um, it was absolutely the right move. Uh. Aubrey was one of the only living mentors that I had. Most of my mentors are dead. Hmm. And, um, you know, it's a gift of a lifetime to go actually be in the presence of one of your mentors. And I can honestly say that we're brothers now.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like your soul was screaming at you and saying, hey, I'm, I'm the smartest one in the room. I need expanders. I need people who are higher. Not I don't want to say higher, but I, want, I need people who are around me who are um, reaching new potential that I, I need to physically see so I can be around it. Because when you're your own cheerleader 100% of the time, that gets so fucking draining and debilitating. Like it, it, that's not meant to be how it, how it goes, you know?
1: Yeah, and there's this idea in Iron John, which is an amazing book for men trying to heal their father wound. And it's this idea that to be around a man, the presence of a man has what he calls mana. Like there's this energetic bread that you can literally eat and that it's something that the boy needs. And I didn't get it from my father. And uh, being around Aubrey and Kyle Kingsbury have been the two men in this tribe here who have shown me through actions how to be a man. I didn't have that from, you know, like I can only read so many books, but the mana doesn't come through the books. It comes through people's bodies.
0: Right. It's the physical energetics of it.
1: Yeah. And so that's been one of the greatest teachers that I've had these last two years is just to witness the two of them because they're very different. Like Kyle is a father and so he has a very different type of mana Mm
2: -hmm. and
1: Aubrey is this like very charismatic leader and that's its own type of mana. And um, I can feel that like when I look at pictures of me when I first started, I look like I'm seven years younger And it's not that I look like I'm aged. Mm -hmm. It looks like I've deepened. Oh, totally. It's in every aspect of my being. And so that's been one of the biggest gifts is I knew I needed to be around men and I wasn't around any men.
0: Right. And you sought that out and you like literally pinpointed your tribe. And that's like that was your soul telling you who who to gravitate towards. Um, Yep. I um I would say the same thing as that's that's what I'm doing right now um I, you know on An- Anahata um, Oh yeah. So she's one of my um she's just one of those people who I just feel very connected with and she's come on the podcast and um she I I've been in this not I don't want to say funk but I'm like I really need a teacher. I really need someone like like what you're just saying, you you need people around you in the physical. I I've been calling that in. I've been manifesting that and asking the universe for that and she like randomly tagged me in a uh, in one of her videos like I want to say a few weeks ago right when I was calling this in. Hey, I'm having a shamanic my first shamanic healing and I I'm tagging you you soul sisters because I feel like you'd be interested and um I was like, "Fuck yeah." Like I I'm pretty sure I'm going to do it because it's like, it sounds like such a beautiful um, experience. And she's just teaching all the realms that she uses in her healing work. And it was just a huge sign. Like the universe saying, yeah, you do need in reality teachers now, like you've done enough of the work alone and you need, you need to sought out um, spiritual teachers who are going to like bring you to a new level pretty much.
1: Yeah, there's a quote: "When the student is ready, the master appears," and that's what happened for you. That's
2: beautiful.
0: Definitely, definitely. Well, um, we're kind of getting to close to an hour right now. I kind of wanted to ask you a few quick fire questions, if that's cool. Absolutely. Um, Have you had any crazy synchronicities that pop out to you that are super magical that that have happened recently?
1: Yes. Okay. Uh, This just happened um, two days ago. (sighs) Um, I started saying a prayer, uh, and somebody gave me this prayer, uh, and it's some old, it might be Hindu prayer about calling in your soulmate. Mm -hmm. And it's, bless me that I may choose my life companion according to the laws of perfect soul union. And, um, I had a moment in Tulum when I was doing an ecstatic dance under the full moon on the beach and it was fucking transcendent and beautiful. And I just had this. (laughs) Tulum is fucking (laughs) magical. Holy shit. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: And I was looking at the full moon and I just, um, I have this recurring theme in my life that I kind of like talk to the full moon and I feel like it's God talking to me and like, she'll give me downloads. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: I just told her like, I'm. I'm I'm ready to meet my soul companion. And um the relationship that I'm in right now that I talked to you before we got on air. Mm-hmm. I can feel that she isn't going to be the one that I'm going to have children with, but she is the one in my life right now. And so anyways, I said this I started saying this prayer uh probably about 3 or 4 days ago. And 2 days ago on the 13th and my favorite number is 13. Um, I had this download while I was journaling in the morning of, like, go get her Valentine's gift today. Don't do it tomorrow. Just go do it today.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: after work, I go to this famous bookstore here in Austin called Book People. And um, when I walk in the store, I kind of tell myself, don't think just whatever calls to you. Just go get it. And so I'm walking through I'm finding all the perfect like knickknacks and gifts that reference like inside jokes that we have, blah, blah, blah. And I'm walking upstairs to get her a deck of tarot cards that I know that she loves.
0: Yes. And
1: what book people does is they'll host authors when they have book launches and the authors will come in and they'll speak. Mm -hmm. And while I'm upstairs, um, I hear this woman talking and she has a sold out crowd in front of her of probably about like. 50 people packed into this bookstore and it's a really beautiful venue. And, um, I hear her talking and she's saying, um, you know, the thing that's kept me from writing my book has been all the partying and all the drinking that I was doing. And this woman that I'm dating, she has a manuscript. She has a book that she wants to write. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing that keeps her from writing is her partying and her drinking. And I just felt, waves of goosebumps wow. come over me and I yeah. was like I don't know who this woman is and I don't know what her book is but I'm gonna go buy it and so I go and I buy her this book um and it's called we are the luckiest uh the surprising magic of a sober life and I can feel that like ooh, this is going to be triggering to her because you know like all of her friends at some point in her life has ba- have basically recommended to her to try sobriety and she's just like no like mm-hmm. don't you know the resistance that we have to the things that we know that we should do. But I write a note in that book basically saying like, um, I have no idea who this woman is. I did not intend to buy this book. And then I explained to her what the synchronicity was. And then I told her, I don't care if you read it. I don't care if you ever stop drinking. I don't need you to. All I care is that this felt like a message from God to me. And I'm going to answer the call to share it with you. I love you as you are and then um you know i went over to her house afterwards i gave her all the gifts she almost passed out cuz it was so awesome you know and it was a great night oh
0: my night. god oh, and it's um, so cute
1: yeah so that's that. that's the most recent synchronicity and it was just it was so loud i couldn't i love deny that it.
0: right it's like it's so loud that it's like oh okay like i've had several synchronicities happen it's kind of like i feel like i'm in like some kind of trip But um, I, I like to describe it as the universe has, like, such a creative and artistic and personalized way of creating these synchronicities that it's almost like, oh, shit, like, you just feel like the universe is literally with you at all times, like, like, you're, you're a friend, and they're just, like, creatively articulating these little projects, like, you can tell that it's, like, thought out, you know what I mean?
1: 100%. And, and it's like, really, go on, I'm sorry. Go
0: ahead. No, no, go ahead.
1: A really powerful thing just to share is um, you cannot have expectations because that happened two days ago. And yesterday she went out, got drunk, and I haven't heard from her uh, in like 12 hours. And it shows us one right. of those things that like you can only do your half. And you have to release the expectations of the people responding to you in the way that you think they should. And it's the same thing, like it's the lesson I've learned with my mom and that you cannot make other people change. You can just simply do your half 100% Mm -hmm. and release what comes after that.
0: You can hold space for them. And sometimes it's just hard for people to, to you know be around people who are constantly up leveling and and yeah. especially in the sober lifestyle i've been um sober now for a little under a year um,
1: congratulations that's and
0: huge yeah and like the the 12 step um recovery process has been cool and meditation support groups and stuff like that but it also is really hard to to be in this soberish lifestyle when that's all you that's all I knew for over a decade and yep. a lot of the trauma that I'm healing and that a lot of the people who are listening in I talk about this a lot drugs alcohol sex toxic sex um, that's all the things that we're healing now and after years and years of doing that to ourselves and our bodies it takes a lot of time to be to be okay with being with ourselves without any type of um, lubricant, whether that's weed or, and I have no problem with weed. I, I still take THC from time to time, but, um, it's just really hard to, to sit with yourself and in, in like For a sure. sober cause that's when all the trauma comes up. But, um, a couple more fire questions, yeah. fast fire questions. Um, what's your go-to either workout or, I know that you you know you're around supplements a lot at Onnit. What's your go to workout and or supplement and or meal that like you can't live without right now?
1: Um, my go to workout is a combination of a couple of uh, ab exercises that stabilize my back. I've I've had back spasms for like ten years, and I j- basically feel like I've cured that the last year by working with some experts, and so, uh doing that routine, and then I love doing pull-ups, farmer carries, um, some type of uh, chest workout, and then deadlifting or squatting, and then sauna, cold shower, like that whole thing I do almost every afternoon. My go-to meal, uh, there's this amazing place in Austin called Thai Fresh where everything is locally sourced, um, grass-fed, and I get what's called the love meal. And it's just this really clean uh, meat and vegetable and white rice thing. And I probably eat it two times a week. My go-to yeah. supplement is microdosing LSD. I probably love that more than anything else.
0: I love that. That's your, that's your answer. I love that because <laughs> it's just so out of the box. And I've actually been um, really t- uh, trying to tap into a, a resource to get psilocybin and do the whole microdosing psilocybin protocol. Um, So that's something I talk about a lot on the podcast as well. Um, But yeah, that's fucking awesome. Um, I am super grateful that you took out the time today to come on here and chat and dig deep, soulfully, (laughs) and um, if people want to get in contact with you or listen to your your podcast, which is called The, the Myths That Make Us, right? Yes. Um, they could do that. Where else could they find you?
1: Uh, I do a weekly newsletter, um, and you can find it at ericgotzi.com. Uh, every Friday I kind of share where I'm at, and then like my favorite quotes, my favorite song of that week, and whatever thing I'm reading because I'm always reading something. And then Instagram is probably the place I'm the most active at ericgotzi.
0: Awesome. I'll put that all in the show notes, and I really I love your podcast too. Um, yeah, man, thank you so much for for coming on.
1: Thank you so much for providing the space. You're an excellent interviewer.
0: Thank you, I appreciate that. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with the one and only eric Godzi. if you want to contact him all of his contact stuff is going to be in the show notes go check out his podcast and um, let him know how you like this episode tag him on instagram at eric Godzi. the music in the beginning of the episode was by the sounds of phase six you can find that on spotify and the name of the song was called lucid and I'm going to leave you with this song by Dirty Art Club, who is a DJ friend of mine that I reached out to on Instagram about when I made this podcast around that time. So like a year and a half ago, and I was using his music in my intros a lot. So if you like the, the music that's behind the sponsor ads, that's Dirty Art Club. He's super talented. And I'm going to leave you with this song. It's called What If.